Listening to Brave New Words. Uh, it's a podcast that's all about the books, all about the books. My name is Ed, and I'm here with. I'm Del. I'm Ross. And I'm Nympha. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about. Uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children by Ransom Riggs. And I'm sure we'll be talking about other things as well, because that's how the show goes. You can <laughs> always find us on at Radio Bookworm via the Twitters. You can also join the Super Secret Book Club on. Facebook, just search for that. You can find us on Tumblr. You can find us on the Wonky Spanner website. You can also find us on um, Starburst Magazine's website as well. And you can find book news in the pages of Starburst Magazine as well. Um, you're probably, or you might be, listening to us on FabRadioInternational.com. Uh, and if you aren't, you can listen to the show live between 12 and 1 every Sunday. Um, but coming up next, Ed Jingle. Starburst Radio, the greatest radio show in the universe. Every Wednesday, 9pm till 11pm, exclusive to Fab Radio International. That was lovely, that was, wasn't that a nice jingle? A lovely jingle. <laughs> so, uh, you, you, wouldn't, you can keep a straight face, do you have a big I can't keep a straight face, you know that by now. Surely you've known me long enough. So, um... So, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Um, why did I pick up this book is the first question you're going to ask me. It's not really, because you all know why. Um, so, I saw um, the trailer, um, and um, obviously it's, uh, it's a Tim Burton, uh, so that's always very promising. And it has Eva Green in it, so that just makes it like a million times better. And I thought, actually, I probably won't get to see it at the cinema, because life sucks sometimes. Um how about I pick up the book? Because surely there's no better way of, you know, getting the, the, the story. And then I can pick up, like, the DVD when it comes out. So that's still the plan. Um, so, yeah, I, pick up, I picked up the book. I had no idea that this was a, a, a quite a successful series, actually. Um, I think there's at least another two books. I'm not sure whether it's just the trilogy or there's going to be more stories in the world. And what's it about... Um, so the story revolves around um, Jacob and um, Jacob lives in the US and he has this very special bond with his granddad and his granddad is sort of like a very peculiar person Um, he has a really interesting story he's been in the war and um, he now and then disappears and goes on this business trip um, but as he gets older, um, he he has, well, the family thinks he, he has some sort of a mental illness because he sees monsters and he has these paranoid episodes where he thinks someone is coming for him and he it terrifies him. And he tells these beautiful stories to Jacob as he grows up, showing him these really strange um, pictures um, and the pictures have this so growing up obviously when he was very little Jacob thinks oh these stories are wonderful and then as he becomes older um, he starts thinking none of this can be true I mean oh I'm sure I can see the tricks and there's pictures with you know floating people and 
and very sort of almost Victorian carnival in feel, you know, mm. yeah. bearded woman, women and and um, magical, mythical, half-man, half-animal creatures and um, invisible boys and that kind of feel to it. Um, and he, he tries to sort of convince himself that, you know, obviously his granddad's going a bit senile and all of those stories that helped him grow up and feel like there was magic in the world can't be true and he's seen him deteriorate and it's it's a very sort of heavy sad start to the book um and then one night he gets a call and his granddad is literally out of his mind he's afraid by the time he gets to the house um the granddad is dead and he's outside and um, he's with his best friend and looking through the bushes he sees this creature and everything changes um, he's um, been under therapy because he, he often has nightmares and other things that weigh on his mind and he's, he's very much as peculiar as his granddad um, and so he sort of the, the death of the granddad sort of sends him on a really nasty spiral and his um, therapist, his psychologist um, suggests that maybe he should sort of try and indulge some of his fantasies and try and find out the truth about his granddad and try and see the man for who he was um, and to do this he has to travel to this island that the granddad always talked about um in in the uk um and so his dad is like you know what i'll go with you and we'll go on this adventure and we'll find the truth and then maybe you can start rebuilding your life because everything has gone wrong for this poor kid um and so they live for the this tiny little island in the middle of nowhere um with like a post office a pub and a grocery store uh, people that have known them like each other for the whole lives very small minded very strange and um, and starts to look for clues about his granddad and where he lived and he knows that there's um, a house where where him and a bunch of other kids were taken when the war was going on before he decided to go away and enlist and um, that's the house Jacob starts to look for um, and when he finds the house there's um, there's very little left there um, the story is that a bomb fell and destroyed everything um, and everybody believes that the children all of the children just died and everyone in the house just died because they were never seen again and without giving spoilers that's where the story becomes really interesting. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, I think, as much as I can give you. Because if you haven't read the book, you really want to go to that house with Jacob for the first time and see the house and everything that happens after that. And the beginning, it's incredibly creepy. Like you read it and it reads like a proper horror story. And as you're sort of going through the pages now this is possibly one of the cleverest books i've read 
in quite a long time oh. because all of the pictures are included in the book. Nice. I so, like that. Yeah, that's lovely. So I'm showing the book. If, if you've got it at home, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, if you haven't, as you're sifting through, oh. you'll get the pictures Portal that the granddad showed um, Jacob. But you also get pictures that you only understand when you hit a certain point in the book. And you look back and you go... I see what you did there. That's really clever. Uh, and the pictures are pictures that the author just collected randomly, buying them for like cents at mm. like these little market stalls. Um, like I said, a lot of sort of Victorian style ones. I love that sort of ephemera that you get with. Oh, that's very clever. Yes. Mm. Yep. Um, I love that sort of ephemera that you get. Um, Station Eleven. Yeah, has um, certain editions of it have tucked into about two thirds of the way in what you think is initially a bookmark and you're like I've just bought this book how is there a bookmark in the book and then you unfold the bookmark and it's something from the story it's, oh. a, it's a piece of ephemera from the story oh itself. that's amazing you just pull, uh, I could have just pulled it out and went oh. oh it's like my book of Sith I have a book of Sith because Sith so it was a, a present from my husband and it's a Sith pyramid with a red Sith crystal from, from the Star Wars world for those of you who Sith don't know Sith Lords, as in Sith Lords not the Star Wars International exactly. Film Festival uh -huh. um, and um, you press the button and there's sounds and lights up and then it spits out this book and it's a um, red leather bound book and inside as you're reading so the first thing you find it's a note from Luke Skywalker okay and then as you're reading it there's like pieces of cloth and there's notes from um, beloved characters there's plans that you can literally open and there's like blueprints for stuff um, and it's it's just and the pages are all different because the story behind the book is that looks collected this information and pieced it together in one volume. So even the the, the pages as you look, um, the like the on the side of it, they're all sort of jagged in different ways. Oh. Like if you know you've got different types of paper and you've just mushed them into a big volume wow um so this is very much on those lines only you don't find actual bits there's just these really incredibly atmospheric pictures um that match the mood of the read as you go so you're reading and all of a sudden you turn the page and there's this creepy ass picture <laughs> uh and you go whoa i like yeah it, it's incredibly atmospheric um and the, the author just sort of collected the first few. And then when the story sort of started going in his head, there's a, there's a lovely interview at the end of my um, edition of, of the book. Um, he went and contacted proper collectors that have like thousands and thousands of these pictures and asked if he could use some of them uh, to include in the book because mm. they just fit um, certain characters that were sort of coming to life. And then some of the characters just were born because he saw a picture and he was like, that looks too cool not to use. I will find someone that can be that. Yeah. And that will explain that. And so the the, the first book is very much a, 
um, like many books, first books are in a series, uh, a let's get to know your main character and let's get to know um, the the sort of the beginning of of this new world that he s starts to explore. Um, so I'm guessing the second and the third will just expand on on the it, world. Is it as a, a concept? Is it closer to the idea of the island of misfit toys? Where you know there's always something broken about them, or is it more X Men? Oh no, it's X Men. Yeah, I, I got it's that. So, totally that's be question because I, I got that vibe from the trailer. Of yeah. The thing. Uh, so unfortunately, um, looking at the reviews of the movie, it looks like the the there's a lot of bits that have been changed, and a lot of the characters have been condensed. Yeah. So instead of there being, uh, you know, a certain amount of female characters. Um, they've been condensed into like one main female character and instead of there being like a bunch of other things that go on um, they've, they've had to obviously cut the cast and, and make it fit for, for film purposes yeah. uh, which makes me sad but it's Tim Burton so I have complete faith that it's still going to be amazing to watch uh, but yeah it's very much um, these kids are peculiar they're born with abilities and these abilities are very unique to each of them so it's very rare to find one peculiar child that has the same ability as another although sometimes there can be sort of a strain so you know there may be one and then their children sort of eventually because it's not always it's not a, a sort of father to son or mother to daughter or or whichever way around uh, just it just happens it's like a strand of DNA that now and then just pops up and here have these abilities if I'm chuckling it's because I'm reminded of a, I think it's a 90s movie called The Specials uh, where they all have it's about a superhero world uh, and it's about the, the, the kind of the seventh biggest superhero team in the world so they're like, you know, whereas one of the, the top superhero team lives in a space station and these guys have like a shed somewhere and, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, Mystery Man. Yeah. It's, 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 it's that sort of sort of a thing. But they, they kind of do like, they're talking about former members and there's, there's a, um, all the stretchy people, the stretchy powers, all come from the same place because it was like a toxic... Uh, water well thing that gave all these people stretchy powers <laughs> so there's no one left of stretchy powers because they, basically they all died in the same condition oh gosh <laughs> and it's like there was an apocalypse of stretchy people Amazing. because it's like suddenly there's a burst of them and then it was like yeah no you've got these superpowers but your lifespan has been substantially shortened shortened <laughs> wow like, harsh it is, oh. it is yeah it is one of those strange things about you know genetic superpowers that oddly enough it rarely carries the same power rarely goes from parents of child in some of these things you sort of expect that you know the parent you know that x-men children would have similar powers to their parents there's but they a, don't most sometimes they do there's there's polaris and magneto but most of the time no there's a character and i can't remember her name in there's a there's an x-men series called exiles which are it's dimension hopping x-men mm. and what they're trying to do is they're trying to fix certain timelines and one of them is the child of um, Nightcrawler oh, and yeah. Scarlet Witch. Okay. Right. Um, There's a Perry. Didn't think you'd see. Okay. And, and she's a she, you know, she's a dimensional exile, so her dimension doesn't exist anymore. And she's trying to 
it's quantum leap style they're trying to change the other dimensions so that those dimensions come back into alignment and they can go home that's the idea behind them um, but there's a wonderful moment where she meets a young Kurt like a young nightcrawler and he's like I don't know who you are but I'm going to try and knock you unconscious by teleporting you across like a lot because most people will fall asleep after the third or fourth jump unfortunately this version doesn't realise that her daddy used to have her on his shoulder while to, to send to sleep he used to teleport so she's immune to, to teleportation yeah. or courses and she's just like I can I can do this all day you can't that's amazing <laughs> that's kind of cute though now I think with and um, hopefully it's not a spoiler I mean there's, there's three books out so hopefully if you haven't read it I apologise tiny sort of like kind of spoiler kind of not so this is more like um sort of fey blood so that there's okay. there these people have always existed and they have mingled with humanity but at one point they were sort of a separate race okay. um and then like i said you you mingle because you all live in the same place uh but when the when the powers manifest then you know that the the blood is strong so they're more other than actual human uh, and they have these um so you're saying about dimension hopping and stuff they have these little pocket realities where they stop time so they keep leaving the same day and then at one point the day refreshes so the people there's a version of the people that lived in in that island that are stuck in a, on a certain date Ooh. forevermore so the kids go on but the people don't. So every morning they go and relive the same day so they know exactly when everything's going to happen because they don't have anything else to do apart from observe the same person get up and make the same loaf of bread every single day for eternity. But does that person know? No, nobody, no, they're just stuck. The day just refreshes. It's like almost like they've captured a photograph of it and that moment just reloops itself so the people are actually they've gotten old like when the kid goes to the island all of those people are there you know they haven't disappeared no they've just carried on but that special one day it's sort of been condensed in this little pocket dimension to just be relived so that the kids are safe Uh, because there are these monsters obviously that are you know the ones that killed Jacob's granddad that are actually real and they're after peculiars blah 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 There's um, has, it, has anyone else read Clive Barker's Weave World? No nope. Doom Okay so Clive Barker <laughs> so, so Clive Fine Bar- we will so Clive Barker is like better known for his horror Yeah Very much so and when people talk about him writing because he writes very much about otherness and you know being because because of, of who he was and his life as well, he, he he's very much about you know the other. And there's an argument where you can talk about Nightbreed and you can talk about Nightbreed as a as a coming of age rise of passage thing. Weep World is more like the book we're talking about, in the sense that the idea is that there was magic in the world, and then because people get in the way, what they do. It's because they and they can't really mingle. They can't really breathe. They're they're so different that they kind of they their their magic will just fade away. So and there's a thing 
in the world that's been going out and destroying them and making them vanish. So to survive, not only have they taken, um, not only have they taken themselves, but they've taken places. So like Fiddler's Green, for example, and this sort of thing. These, you know, special magical breweries, certain special magical places, and they weave them into a carpet. Okay. And it's this dusty, dusty carpet that sits in an attic somewhere in Liverpool. And it's only when someone who's running away from someone else trips, falls into the carpet, that they find themselves in the weird world. Wow. And every strand is a person. So if the strand comes out, they find themselves in the world, and the carpet can be unpicked. But it's not like a kind of... It's not like a friendly, happy, magical fairyland. These are real people with real lives that are getting on with themselves. And obviously they're cynical and hardened because they've lived in a world which has been trying to destroy them. And they also they've run away from stuff and now they've had to cope with it. And they are monsters that lurk that have been exiled from the carpet who want to, their own sense of payback. So it's got that same... But it's also... I mean, the real world's pretty, pretty dark because it's Guy Barker and mean, he mm. can't help himself. <clears throat> No, but like the the, the um, yeah, Miss Peregrine's um, Home for Peculiar Children, it is dark, and I didn't sort of. I expected it to be quirky because obviously you look at it and you open it and you see all these strange pictures and you think, oh, that's going to be like really different. But it's it's creepy as hell. Like there were moments where I was literally shivering, like reading it and going, whoa, this is just really dark. Um, and then suddenly it sort of opens up and it's happier but there's always this very sort of horror gothic mist Mm. around it that just reminds you that yeah it's really this is really cool you know you especially when you get to meet the kids and um and you look at what they can do and and all of that Uh, but there's always this sense that there's a monster lurking somewhere and you can turn any corner and at any minute it's going to go really dark again. Um, it's beautifully written. Like, it's it's just really amazing. Um, but um, it has elements of what you were saying about people that are cast out because there is a reason why these monsters are after the peculiars and where these monsters, I say monsters, creatures of darkness, Mm. where they came from is very much tied in with the story of the Peculiars. Um, So it all weaves in really well um, together. It has a... If you've seen um, Insurrection, Star Trek Insurrection, it has some of that at one point, um, some of the feeling... Um, we're not talking about Jonathan Frakes acting badly, are we? No, no, there's no <laughs> Jonathan Frakes there. Uh, it's, uh, there's, there's a piece of storyline that works really well, and while I was reading, I'm like, oh, this is all gone a bit insurrection here, but I love it. Sorry, I, I, two you pennies, did... two pennies have dropped because yeah. penny one dropped very early, and yeah. Like, Oh, right, I see I what see. you're saying now. Yeah. Again, it's really hard not to give spoilers, and I really don't want to because I do want people to pick it up and make up their own mind. Uh, but it is—it's just so good. Mm. It's just so good. Um, I'm kind of scared now to go and watch the movie because I'm like, Tim, you better live up to this because yeah. this is a good book. I think sometimes you just have to see them as completely separate entities. Don't it's you? what I am that way. Doing. You can still. 
enjoy the film for what so, it's been created to be. The Lucifer TV series. <sighs> oh, it's so good. The, the, but so it is, good. and the Lucifer comic book. The Lucifer TV thing. series. I've never read the comic, so yeah. I, to me that's just a show, and I absolutely adore it. Uh, but I bet if I read the, the actual volumes, I'd be like, that's nothing like it. <laughs> um, so the comic series is gaming-esque. It's not, it's Mike Carey, but it's gaming-esque. Yeah. TV series can be kindly described as Castle, the TV show yeah, Castle. It's, yeah, it's a bloody cop show with the devil. And I was talking about that with a friend, um, like literally two days ago, because she's just started watching it and she has read the um, graphic novels and she's like I knew I would hate it and then I just saw Tom Daly and thought I don't care what you do just keep talking uh, because he makes the show but for again, a lot of people again getting on to the darkness of the books and possibly because none of this mm. was in the movie there's the there's a scene in the Lucifer comic book where I sp- it's not really a massive spoiler mm. a spunky young couple break into the devil's house and die and it's a horrible scene and it's done horribly such a quick way of putting that <laughs> yes you will, you will, because and it's horrible it's horribly done mm. and it's horrific and it makes a very specific point about the mythos that Mike Harry's building you could never have that in the fun buddy cop drama yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. here's an episode where two people starve well, to death no I would I would kind of want to watch that show but not on a not no, no. and like I said, like like Dal said, it's it's about dividing the the two mediums and thinking. Okay, they've taken inspiration and done something that looks like it, and sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they stick to the plot, and even though some things are condensed and slightly changed, it still gives you the same feelings that the book did. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you just gotta go. You know what? I'm gonna watch it and just have fun with it, and yeah. and just pretend it's like a version of the story, but it's not the story. Um, I've uh, my Christmas list of as as always. It's a lot of books and <laughs> a, a, a bunch of DVDs mostly. Um, and one of the things I've asked for is the movie that they did of Jam the Holograms, and I'm currently absolutely adoring the graphic novel series. Yeah, completely and utterly in love with it. That the, the the artwork, the the cute, fun storylines, everything about it just like makes me happy. The characters are adorable. That's that's just the main just thing. like you just want to hug them and um, and yeah, and I know the movie isn't gonna give me that, but I'm still gonna watch it. Yeah, and I'm still gonna I'm planning to enjoy it. And I've been reliably told by a couple of people that I will probably love it because I love me a bit of cheese. Um, and and yeah but I'm not going to go in expecting it to be as good as the graphic novels because right now like I said they're making me so happy it's just not even fun I had the same with the turtles because oh. I'm a huge Turtles fan a big fan of yay Raphael which, which incarnation Donatello um, <laughs> Raphael's where he's at babe again, like, honestly we just can't <laughs> agree on life <laughs> um, there are three animated series there are X number of there are eight movies I can count well, well Donnie's obviously my favourite and obviously um, I'm Ed wins uh, no he doesn't what does Ed know Donnie's awesome uh, does not, you know nothing at fortune that's true um, <laughs> but yeah I like Donnie's voice by Rob Paulson I'm not sure about the one 
Uh, which was I love I love the whole turtle song, but my favourite turtles version at the moment is the IDW version um, because it's got um, Kevin Eastman as sensei. He's not writing it; he's their sensei. He's Splinter now, Amazing. and he and he turns up to meetings and they go, "How do we incorporate?" And what they've done with the comic strip is they've put in every single part of the turtles mythos up to this point. So the neutrinos, which are from um, like from from the Archie comics and the kids comics, who are basically weird kind of cool nineteen fifties space elves, uh, as of nineteen fifties America meets space elves. Hey, with a little curly hair. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, the, it's the Milky Way car, but uh, without wheels. Yes, yeah, amazing. Uh, and they've put them in as uh, Del's picturing that. <laughs> But therein is an intergalactic resistance force. They're like rebels fighting, fighting their corner against the Krang Empire. Um, I'm just now imagining doom. like the T-Birds in yeah. space. T-Birds mm. in space. Flying, like, that, that's what they were in the Archie Amazing. comics. And they've updated them into the IDW one. There's a, the, the way I pitch... Sorry, I've gone on the turtles. The, the way I pitch IDW comics is this. Splinter, not Splinter, Shredder, as a badass samurai from this, the period when they, they were samurai... So, so from back in the day, yeah. uh, as essentially a Darth Vader esque reincarnating death spirit, Ooh. does a magical ritual to summon a demon. Krang appears. <laughs> He's a transdimensional monster, which is a good description of a demon. Nice. How they they've stitched it all very carefully together out of what is essentially a toy franchise. Yeah, uh, and you're just like. I don't know how we've gotten from... Oh, no, franchise. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, from a toy franchise. And it's that thing where you can tell a good story with any tools. Yeah, I think as well, one of the things that people... I don't get right, I think that people have always done it. And, um, like, darkness has always been part of fairy tales, which are kind of the children's stories of old. Um, but I think over the last few years, people have got very good at realising that darkness in children's stories isn't necessarily a bad thing as long as you mm. do it well um, and from the sounds of it Miss um, Peregrine seems oh. to have a huge amount of darkness it, in I it like, I wouldn't I wouldn't have my 7 year old read it yeah. but I would definitely give it to my 12 year old um, yeah absolutely because he would love it I'm reading a book at the moment called um, Hawkweed Prophecy I think I think the author's name is Irene Bagnall, but I haven't got it with me, so I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, and the prologue is four pages, and it's one of the darkest stories I've ever, I've ever, I've ever read. And like the the, the prologue is like a four page tiny thing that then it basically just sets why the rest of the book is is occurring. But in this four page, in these four pages, we find out that. Um, there are there's a, a coven of witches um, that all kind of live together in this little kind of caravan community. Um, two of them are sisters. There is a prophecy that one of the Hawkweed sisters will create, will give, well, will birth the witch that brings all other witches together um, because they're all in different pockets across the country. Um, and one of the witches is so determined that it will, will be, be her daughter that will do this. Um, she um, she's essentially it's not poisoning but she's been giving her sister a tincture in her tea every day since they were like 13 so that her sister can only um, conceive boys 
but because of the way the coven works if they if when you're pregnant it's a boy they give you a poison that means your pregnancy will either terminate itself or if the child is born it'll only survive for a couple of days and her sister's been pregnant like five times so five times like she's had That's to lose horrific. these children oh yeah oh my god and then there's an illness that goes round and i can't remember if it's either because they're ill she doesn't give her a tincture or because they're ill the tincture doesn't work but her sister falls pregnant with a girl and she can't think of what to do easiest thing would be kill sister but she's a sister and she loves her and she can't do that to her despite all this that she's already yeah, like, done yeah it's fine um, <laughs> all these horrible things but i won't kill you yeah That's i won't bad. kill you um and so what she does is draws on every dark thought and magical um power that she has and at the moment of the birth switches her with another daughter being born somewhere else in the country like far far away that's not a witch and is just a, like a, a non-witch person and switches those children as they are being born because nobody would be able to recognize or tell the difference um and so it means that her sister is not bringing up a witch anymore her sister is just bringing up a normal girl the rest of the story you're wrong the rest of the story i haven't, I haven't finished it yet so i don't know where it's, it's quite going i'm about halfway through um the actual story don't get me wrong there's a, there's a lot of darkness in it but it's not as dark as that and that's horrific but i'd still give it to mm. a child i'd still give it to like an 11 or 12 year old mm. like i absolutely would it's you can do dark well in children's stories it's interesting because like, that's a really dark premise yeah huge but i the the on the other hand i've seen baby swap stories there's a trope yeah and that can be play, played for laughs effortlessly mm-hmm. at the same time. Good Omens being the one that made it this <laughs> oh, But um, Unknown Armies does a thing where there's... Unknown Armies is all about the paradoxes of magic. Um, the Ferret Nymans basically has built his entire story series on the same idea of magic as a paradox. So, for example, to be able to cast spells of freedom... You um, dip some anti is the spell is the magic of freedom, which means you're an alcoholic. It means that you're you, you can't you have to be drunk to cast magic, so you're constantly enslaved to the bottle. But you can uh, free bonds and you can free people and you can free minds, except your own. Oh, um, and it's that sort of a world. And there's a couple who desperately, desperately want to create the uh, entropomantic messiah. Right. Um, this will end well. And they, 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 they go through, and it's a series of utterly horrific rituals they go through to create literally a child of chaos. And then, as soon as the child is born, because she is, and then their plan is they're going to raise her to be this, this this creature of chaos and have all this chaos ability and the ability to alter fate and reality. Because as soon as the child is born, because it's got innate chaos manipulating powers. There's a mix-up in the hospital. Ah. Because, of course, there is. Because it's a creature. It's a chaos of, baby. It's a chaos baby. <laughs> and it describes the lives of these two people, because it's a, it's a world, so it describes the lives of these two people. And there's this guy who absolutely hates mages and everything to do with mages because he was raised by these two nutters. <laughs> I was going to say, because there's, there's two stories here. There's, there's the story of this kid who actually grew up and there's the the parents and the story he's, of the kids who he's basically a mage like, slayer he absolutely because you know, his parents are horrible uh, and wanted to end the world and they were horribly disappointed that he couldn't do it uh, <laughs> and on the other hand what was actually their daughter 
I was grown up with two very kind of straightforward accountant Presbyterian fa- you know, Presbyterian style family. Very, you know, both I think they're both accountants, and they're both terribly ordered, relaxed sort of people, and they just assumed that their daughter was terribly unlucky. And it's like, you know, and they've had a really interesting life because, you know, they won the lottery, but then, you know, a bit of Skylab blew up the house and this sort of random oh, stuff. God. And it's like all these all these interesting lives. And there's a it's... wonderful moment where she, she wrote, she's worked out what she is and she gets, she someone else has worked out what's going on. And it's like, I'm going to recruit you for my for my unknown army, hence the name of the setting. Uh, I'm going to recruit you, but I'm not going to ha- be in the same room as you, ever. <laughs> <laughs> because it's um yeah it's I think Hawkweed um is it you you still get all that the difference in parents but it's just like it, to be honest again I'm gonna make it sound like it's even it's even darker but again this is within the story I think it's the first three or four pages such after the prologue um but the the witch who's raising a non-witch daughter is just like she's my lovely daughter and I love her she's just not very good at this. Um, but the witch who's being raised by non-witch parents, the mum keeps going to the doctor, being like, "My my daughter's covered in wrong. yeah, my daughter's covered in spiders." Um, or there's I keep finding cats in her bedroom, and the doctors keep going, "Are you sleeping okay? Are you coping well enough?" And after her third appointment, they give her antidepressants. Um, and after a few months, after like a few years, I think it's when when the little girl's a toddler. But she's literally just like she's not my child. This this isn't my daughter. So she's institutionalised. <sighs> and the dad, the dad's just in a life of denial. But her mum, because that's the thing. It's it's the bit when when she's a baby, her mum in her little. Because any time she starts having these thoughts, she just pops a few pills because it makes it go away. And she's like, but I know it's not even that she's like she thinks that I know my baby does not love me. And isn't it mental? And yet it's... That's just... The rest of the story God. isn't as dark as that. You keep saying but, that, but like, <laughs> wow. But isn't that insane? And yet it's still... It's still, like I said, 12-year-old, 13-year-old, I'd give this story to kind of happily. You're cruel. And you can... Yes. <laughs> this is more of a just to you, Del. That's what you've been trying to tell us is, in fact, you're a Del monster. I'm, I'm the child of chaos. Um, but it's interesting it's the same premise yet you can you can tell the darkness of a story or you can you can find the the comedy and in what would alight from that situation I think yeah I I think you can get you can do a really dark story and play it for laughs actually it's Terry Pratchett again that's pretty much his MO and he's taken some really kind of you know, he's he's deconstructed fairy tales to the point, uh, and one of the classic things he does is he de- deconstructs a fairy tale, and then has people run commentary and essentially take the rise out of it until the story isn't as dark. The entire Witches Abroad stuff. Oh my god, Witches Abroad is one of my favourites. You know, opens with oh, "When shall we free meet again?" Well, I can't do next Tuesday, uh, and then takes the whole idea of a gingerbread house well how do you keep a gingerbread house I mean how do you keep a gingerbread house I mean surely that's going to be full of midges in about five seconds flat yeah you know what exactly uh, if, if you cover it in some sort of magical protection against midges isn't that going to affect the flavour I, I, I mean you know exactly how do you make this work when they're in that little town and like I've never thought about the fact that how do vampires protect themselves when they're bats because like Grebo just eats that bat that's like 
floating around the hotel room when they're in Transylvania. <laughs> the crucifix is just a cross. So if you have a phobia of crosses or any holy symbols, then you might have a problem with carpets. <laughs> or geometric shapes in general. Because, you know, especially in this world where there's so many different religions, you just sit there and you go, oh, well, hang on, that's just two concentrics. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> it burns as precious. How would you build a castle in Transvenia? Continue, because you're going to get crossbeam when you build a castle. The this is why you have minions. Or also, the way most writers get past that, because you've got to remember the rule that, you know, how do you kill a vampire? How, how do you kill a vampire? Depends on the mythology of the vampire. Damn it. <laughs> this is the correct answer. How do well, of it? course it is. <laughs> Depends on the mythology. You, this is not my first rodeo, fortune. <laughs> <laughs> you've done this before. It's the um, it's the Landis uh, premise. It's like, how do you kill a vampire? Well, stay for the head, stay for yeah. the heart, blah, blah, blah. Wrong any way you want to, you're writing the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's a good... It, it's, it's a good way of writing monsters. Oh, yeah. But I would argue that if you're not, if you've got a blood-drinking creature that that is allergic to sunlight, and then doesn't do anything else, that's vampire. Is that a vampire? How? Where, or what point do you cross? Or what I, time? I've read this story. What time? Is it? It's no. I I honestly don't. I don't know what book, but I have read the story of. Is this a vampire it's, having it's an a, existential crisis? It's a girl that has. Um, she's actually sick. It's her and a little sister. And they're actually sick, and they can't go in the sunlight, and they have to have a lot of transfusions. So everybody in town thing calls them the vampires, and so they then grow up thinking that they are, and everything goes very wrong. That sounds like a Tell the Face story. Wow, I can't remember. Like, don't ask me, but I know I've read this story somewhere. I think it was in like a one of these paranormal, not paranormal, horror anthologies. Apologies. It really um, sounds like a Tell the Face story. Yeah. Any, I remember being like super creeped out, but it was really well written because obviously it stuck in my head, which means I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just these two sisters growing up with everybody going, "You must be vampires because we know that like you eat blood," and they're like they're transfusions. Well, no, you're still eating blood, and you can't go out in the sunlight. So they just grow oh. up at what point something switches, and they go, "Well, we must be." Oh, when <laughs> there's a. Ooh, there's a there's another short story again I can't remember the author where it's the, the diary of a vampire hunter mm-hmm. and he's going out into the night he identifies his vampire he stakes them through the the heart buries them in at the crossroads where if it's in their mouth and then drives on to the next town the story ends with the FBI hunting down the serial killer yeah because he's just a serial killer mm-hmm who's just crazy and it's just like that kind of where do you how do you define a fear or what point does the fear just become at what point does a fear become the X-Men yeah is the X-Men actually a fairy tale I mean there's definitely elements so okay so imagine um Daryl Pitt welcome to Brave New Words thank you Tell us all about a toaster on Mars. Sure. Well, you know, it's interesting. The, the book in the develop. Are you talking about the development of it? Great. Well, okay. Do you know it's a it's an interesting story there because the original I- ideas for this book I can trace back to oh probably sometime in the nineteen nineties. Do you know 
when I first wrote this story, it started off as quite a quite a serious uh, cop drama, and you know, as and then sort of, it's a story that I went back to again and again over the years, and eventually, it just got more wilder and more wacky as the years went by, until you know, it ended up just being this free-flowing crazy thing that I ended up putting together and of course you know it's a it's basically a you know a cop buddy story you know where we've got Blake Carter and and Nikki Steele who's his robot partner and they go off and fight crime and save the world or you know we sort of hope they do I don't want to spoil the ending, but we hope they save the world. Is it really a young adult novel, and why did you decide to go for young adult as an audience? Yeah, that's a good question. Do you know, in my mind, I've always seen it as, as being an adult science fiction novel. But, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, in the early drafts, I did have a couple of uh, sort of... Um, well, say rude or blue sort of jokes in there, and you know, and as as sort of I, as I went through successive drafts, I ended up taking those out because I thought, look, I want it to be that anyone of any age can read this book and enjoy it, and so I didn't really want there to be, you know, anything, um, you know, anything sort of not really age appropriate. So definitely, uh, you know adult science fiction readers you know anyone who you know who loves science fiction and you know who loves to laugh i suppose how would you pitch a toaster on mars to an elderly grandmother <laughs> well do you know it's funny i actually had a couple of elderly grandmothers re- read it which is odd you know because I, there's actually a review online from someone who's was saying that they read it to their a blind elderly mother who's eighty something or other. I, I would say it's a it's a cop story set in the year twenty five oh nine, and it's incredibly funny. Or it isn't in, in my own mind. I think it might be in the minds of some other people as well. How does it compare to the Jack Mason novels? Hmm. And you know, it's interesting. I think, in a way, it's it's similar in that I think with everything I write, I do like to make references to to the world around us. You know, what's going on in terms of culture and, and modern culture and things that familiar uh, that, that people are familiar with. So, if you look at the Jack Mason books, there's a, it's really the, those books are very much a homage to to Sherlock Holmes and the world of Victorian writing and really a toaster and there's certainly humour in the Jack Mason books whereas, you know, toaster there's humour again but it's very much a homage to the world of science fiction and everything that I grew up loving Isaac Asimov and Arthur C. Clarke and, you know, if you look at you know that that whole era. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm 51, which is extremely young still. I just want to emphasise that it's still very young being 51. But you know, I look back to my childhood, and you know, and I grew up with 
of course, Star Trek and Star Wars and and all those great cultural things, which amazingly are still part of our lives today. So, you know, it's it's a different book, but I think anyone who knows my writing will see some similarities still. Is science fiction really enjoying a new golden age? Look, I, I think it is. I, I, yeah, I do believe that. Do you know, interestingly enough, I think one of the big breakthroughs that's lovely to see is all of the stuff that's happening with the comic book movies, actually. You know, when I was growing up, you know, I wanted to see, you know, I wanted to see Spider-Man, you know, in TV series and in movies, and I wanted to see Captain America, and, and they could they could make movies with those characters, but the special effects just weren't there. Well, now those special effects they can do really well in you know in a TV series, and so it it just means that they can fully explore you know that that range of. And the same thing with movies and TV shows. You know, the special effects that were just absolutely cost prohibitive to do, you know, when they were making the original Star Wars. I mean, they can rattle off easily in a, in a one-hour uh, TV show. So I think in terms of storytelling, I think, I think it is good. But, I mean, the bottom line is we still need to tell human stories. You know, special effects are all well and good, but... At the heart of all those stories, we still need, you know, human stories that we can all relate to. What's next? Yeah, good question. You know, I'm working on a book called Space School, which is about the first kid from Earth who goes into outer space to go to space school, as the title might suggest. And I'm... Also pondering a sequel to A Toaster on Mars. And, look, I've actually got a couple of different things on on the go, but those are secret projects. And as much as I'm sure you're a lovely guy, Ed, I'd I'd have to kill you if I told you, so... (laughs) If you got to play in someone else's sunpit, what would it be? It's interesting. I think I'm the sort of writer. I'd be very happy to write across a lot of different genres you know I'd be you know I mean when I was growing up I mean I I went through a big phase where a lot of the stuff that I read was detective fiction so the Agatha Christie books you know I read all of those and I think I was about 16 at the time I think you know really you know maybe going back to Sherlock Holmes again you know because I've always been a Sherlock Holmes fan and you know probably I think I would you know, it would be nice one day to actually write a a Holmes and Watson story. I think that would be that would be great fun. What advice would you give your teenage self? Work harder and chase less women. <laughs> and finally, truth or beauty? Truth. Daryl Pitt, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, Ed. There's this village and these children are born and they're strange and they have powers and they grow up and people are afraid and come at them with pitchforks. So far so X-Men, but that's just because... Exactly. So it is is just, just because you've sort of 
taken it and and put it in a modern setting and and you know and you've called them superheroes doesn't make it any less of a fairy tale well it's the same I mean I think we've touched on this before the idea that the Justice League of America so you have the 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 perfect woman you have the the perfect guy you have the super fast messenger Uh, at what point do we decide do we call that Olympus yeah at what point do they become a pantheon at which point do we see the flashes in fact Mercury Uh, is is it a pantheon again I mean he has the wings the tiny little wings tiny little wings and and, you know they say there's no story that hasn't been told already it's just that it's never been told in your voice yeah so when you write it it becomes new but you know when do we start talking about Carl Jung and archetypes <laughs> because that's what it is it's all that Alamo did it uh, again Alamo Alamo did it blinder on uh, in 2008 where the did it he, the two short stories called Future Shocks hmm. and a very early Future Shock is a story about someone saying I'm going to end the universe because it's not been done before it, but everything else has been done before even this story has been told before in issue somewhere in the future uh, issue 1700 of 2000 AD someone at 2000 AD 1700 odd issues later was sharp enough to go we have to put this story in mm. yeah this has to be here and the red button is in a slightly different place where the end of the universe they've moved it like like on the other side they've just flipped the image Amazing. So, so it's a different guy entering a different universe the, the only thing that's different is the button that he pushes to end it is four inches to the left that's the only difference between these two worlds wow. and he's just like nice nicely played yeah that's very clever also we're guaranteeing that your story gets reprinted I suppose oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> he said cynically <laughs> hmm, but, um, I see what you're saying I think we should talk to a lovely author <gasps> lovely oh, author they were lovely they were lovely we say lovely a lot have you noticed that we do we do that's because we're lovely yeah and they are lovely and they are lovely and we love our authors I'm not but people pretend I am and I think I am you are lovely shut up Bradley (laughs) Barad I'm not actually a polar bear and you can't say I'm not because this is radio and you don't know what I look like so like on the internet no one knows that you're actually a bear but like we know the truth because you know you you have a Facebook profile picture that is a polar bear, and we all know Facebook only tells the truth forever. That, that's yeah. true. So no, you Facebook must picture be was a polar sweep. bear. It is because I decided to have a clean sweep for the new year. So so. I... <laughs> oh, sorry. You, have you have you shape shifted? Is that what you say? No, it's just a, just a glow puppet. Oh, shape shifting! There's shape shifting well. in there in in the, in Miss Peregrine's, and I can tell you that because it's in the trailers of the movie, so it's not a spoiler that Miss Peregrine is called Miss Peregrine because surprise, she shape shifts into a peregrine bird. Cool, ah. and it's it is very cool. But yeah, it's in the trailer of the movie, so I don't feel bad about giving this one spoiler. And um, like her, there are others that have this um ability and they're all sort of like the the leaders of these little communities and it's a special ability that you only have if you are of a certain fey um descent on that bombshell dum 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 it's not really a bombshell (laughs) it's a bird shell um we're gonna run away we're gonna have to run away so 
I've been Ed Fortune. I've been Nympha Hayes. I've been Del. I've been Ross. Bye! Bye!